Welcome to 10.5, the official podcast of the OPP Association. My name is Scott Mills. I am one of the hosts uh, for the 10.5 podcast. Emily Brown is away this week. We are both the strategic communications coordinators for the OPP Association. And uh, your hosts for the 10.5 podcast, the official podcast of the OPP Association. For those of you who don't know, uh, the OPP Association is the sole bargaining agent for the close to 10,000 members of the Ontario Provincial Police in Canada. And, uh, our motto is our members are our focus and our strength. And uh, with this podcast, we aim to provide important information to our members um, and the public. Uh, about matters that affect policing in the province of Ontario. And uh, today we've got a a guest uh, from Ottawa, Ontario. He's talking to us from his residence there. And uh, um, Sid Gravel, uh, Silvio Gravel is his real name. He's known as Sid. That's S-Y-D. Welcome, uh, Sid. Thanks for talking to us today. Well, thank you, Scott, for reaching out to me. I appreciate it. Well, I, um, our topic is going to be the origins of Badge of Life Canada. And uh, just for some context for our listeners, uh, this week, um, being middle October 2023, uh, there was a uh, Badge of Life Canada post-traumatic growth event uh, that happened up at Horseshoe Resort in, uh, near Barrie, Ontario. And uh, I had the privilege of, uh, of being a part of that. And um, this man that we're talking to here, Sid, uh, I knew a little bit about him. Uh, I've known him for a while. But he got up in front of the audience here, um, a packed house, and gave the origins of Badge of Life Canada. And... Uh, you know, I'm just going to, I wish I would have had the video rolling when he did this. It was quite powerful and emotional. Um, and uh, I'm just going to turn it over to Sid here. If if he could just say what Badge of Life Canada is, what they do, and just give that origin piece that you did uh, yesterday, Sid, that was so moving. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, commenting on uh, the, the speech, the, pres- that I, the presentation that I did, Scott, I appreciate that you're you know, uh, remarking that it was moving. The Badger Life Canada has been around since uh, 20, um, well, excuse me, I've got my grandfather clock in the background there. Uh, it's been around since 2012. It really started with Peter Platt in 2010. And there were certain things that we went through in the development of it that a lot of people don't know about. And I think it was worth, I thought it would be worthwhile spending a a little bit of time with the audience, just maybe 10 minutes of their time just saying, look, this is where we come from. It's very humble beginnings. And there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into the development of Badger Life Canada. And it has a purpose. And I share that purpose in sharing Peter's vision. And I just wanted to bring that to the audience's attention. So if you'd like, I can share with you what I shared with the audience. 
Sid, I would very much like that. And uh, just uh, for some context, I'm not quite sure if you're going to go over it word for word or how you're going to do this. But for some context, uh, this happened yesterday, October 12th, 2023. And uh, there is a significance to that date. So I'm just going to leave that there and, uh, and Sid can take it from there. All right. Well, thank you for mentioning that because it is an important point and I do want to make it again. So what I shared with the audience was uh, I, I want I want to give it to you verbatim because uh, I want you to hear what the audience heard. So I'm going to repeat the presentation as I did it to the audience. I would uh, ask all of you to take a moment to reflect on the humble beginnings of Badger Life Canada. In 2010, Peter Platt, a constable with the Ottawa Police Service, struggled with addictions, suffered as a result of trauma survived. During his most difficult and lonely road to recovery, he saw the devastation that occurred in so many lives of other police officers that truly need not have occurred. He saw that if proper information, support and services for recovery were shared and offered, recovery was possible. And like him, many who fell could again stand up on their own and return to being of service to their communities. A goal that he believes strongly in as a result of the oath he and all of us in this audience took to serve. He had a dream of supporting members and their families through the difficulties of work-related trauma and the consequences of such experiences. This at a time when nothing existed for police officers. He reached out to services that did exist for our military personnel and veterans, and every door he knocked on was closed to him, including OSIS and wounded warriors. At that time, they were not financially structured to offer their services to police officers. It was also during this time of search that Peter discovered that there were two types of wellness support. The first claimed to be person-centered and was person-focused. The second claimed to be person-centered but was business-focused. In 2012, he found an organization that focused and cared for the needs of police officers. Badge of Life USA was run by volunteers and mental health professionals who freely gave of their time when asked to help and he wanted to bring their philosophy and approach to Canada. And with that goal in mind, he reached out to me for assistance, and we worked together to form Badge of Life Canada to fill that gap of services then not offered by anyone to police officers. I walked beside him throughout the entire building process, trying our best as two individuals working within the means of our own time and dime to establish a resource open to all police officers. Peter would tell people that we would make it Canada's first police officer and family-focused support group. It did not take long before he was reached out by many others in the first responder world who, like police officers, found no services offered to them paramedics, firefighters, 
correctional officers, and civilians attached to services along with their families. Neither one of us knew how big the need was outside of our world of policing, but it didn't take long to realize that we needed help. And just as we reached out to those who could help us grow, it was discovered that Peter suffered of cancer. And on October 12, 2016, seven years ago of that date, he passed. Bill and Lynn Rusk stepped up to the plate to offer, as well under their own time and dime, to organize Badger Life Canada into a registered charity, creating a board of directors. They worked tirelessly for six years to build the foundation upon which Badger Life Canada could grow. Eventually, exhausted for the cause, they stepped aside. In 2022, our very dear Laura Klusterman, who recently retired from the Ontario Provincial Police, stepped up to the plate and volunteered her heart and soul to become the new executive director and has tirelessly and proudly brought Badger Life Canada to where it is today. Look around, folks, at the people here today and the event that we are attending, and know that in my mind's eye, I see Peter Platt smiling, a wonderfully heartfelt smile upon us. He would be so proud of us all, and I thank you for being here. That's amazing, Sid. I'm I'm glad that we're recording this. I'm glad that people are going to be able to hear it. And uh, thank you for sharing that with the audience. We we had a dinner um, just before this two day event uh, in the evening, and it was for volunteers and uh, kind of the people behind the scenes making it happen, and the presenters and uh, OPP Commissioner Creek attended and. Um, he gave some very moving words uh, about uh, the organization, support for the organization. Uh, he also mentioned uh, Brad Mackay, uh, and another uh, leading force with all this. Uh, and um, I, I want to get into kind of what we did in the last couple of days. But before we do that, can you, can you just shed a light on uh, peer support? Um, I When I think of Sig Gravel, I think of, Brad Mackay at the same time. Like, who is this Brad Mackay guy? Who is Sid Gravel? What's peer support? What's out there? Because some of the valuable things that you were saying yesterday was kind of what's out there. We don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Um, can you give us a little history on that? Yeah. So the reason why Brad and I got together uh, as co-presenters uh, and co-developers of a peer support training team called PATS, uh, Peer and Trauma Support Systems, um, and we uh, coordinate the, uh, the offering of our peer support training uh, in partnership with the Mood Disorder Society of Canada, and we work oftentimes with Badger Life Canada in terms of meeting their needs as well. And one of the reasons why uh, we work well together is because both of us started doing peer support work in the 1980s. Uh, when wellness programs, employee assistance programs, uh, trauma-informed psychologists and social workers and psychiatrists weren't necessarily paying attention to us as police officers at the front line. And so we did it on our own. We basically said, look, we're, we're going to just 
support each other as best we can. Uh, we're, we're not going to let people fall. And if they do trip and fall to their knees, we're going to help them get back up by giving them um, some uh, shared stories of people who have gotten back up on their feet while struggling through these very traumatic events that we see on a daily basis in policing. And we wanted to change the conversation uh, around the fact that terrible things happen out there and we don't always react that well to them. So who can we talk to when we feel like it would make a difference if I could just talk to somebody else who's been through this and maybe explain to me that the sun is going to shine again. And so we did that since 1988, both of us. So between the two of us, we have over 70 years of uh, peer support experience. The interesting thing, Scott, is that really nobody paid uh, a lot of attention to police officer needs, paramedics, firefighters, correctional officers. Not a whole lot of attention was paid to us until the Ombudsman's report came out in 2012, directed to the OPP and well within the OPP. And I know that the, the Ontario Provincial Police were targeted in the Ombudsman's report, for lack of a better word, but every police chief in Canada paid attention to what was directed at the Ontario Provincial Police because they were doing no better, and they certainly could learn a lot from what the OPP uh, was being advised needed to be done. So that Ombudsman's report was the opening Canada-wide for people to pay attention to the trauma suffered by police officers as a result of their daily work and their commitment to the community. And it was at that time that I wrote a book called 56 Seconds, and I've written four books since then, so this is not about the books. But basically, it allowed us to say, people are paying attention. And we've seen phenomenal growth between 2012 and today, um, as to wellness programs and support for members and caring for their families as well, which is really now a, becoming a focus as well, because we want families to be strong and supported through these traumatic events and not just collapse and fall apart as we've let them happen uh, in the past. So those are the kinds of things that are happening. So it's, it's very busy today with regards to the people involved, and that's a beautiful thing, frankly. Because from 1980s to 2012, we certainly felt like we were trying to do a whole lot of stuff on our own. I, I, uh, that's a perfect segue to where I want to go here because uh, uh, using the term public safety personnel a lot, I know Badge Life Canada got its start due to police officers and stuff like that. Uh, but there in this audience, uh, we had corrections uh, representation. We had uh, representation from paramedic services, from fire services, from military. Um, can you just maybe comment on just the collaborative nature of all this uh, work that's being done? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, of course, as uh, as I indicated in my introduction uh, of the history of Badge Life Canada, Peter Platt and I were focused on police officer wellness because that was our world. And uh, eventually, it, you know, we were contacted by by people from the paramedics and police, uh, fire and, and corrections saying, well, what about us? And uh, it, it was revealed to us that the uh, first responder world was not being uh, taken care of 
uh, and funded for resources and support um, the way we felt the federal government was doing a fairly decent job of supporting and funding the military veterans and the military personnel. So we wanted to be funded and supported as well for to reach our needs. And um, so we always referred to ourselves as, well, we're police officers, paramedics, we're firefighters, and it became like a long sentence. And then Dr. Nicholas Carlton out of the University of Regina uh, developed a group called SIPSERT, uh, the Canadian Institute for Public Safety and Research uh, and Training, um, that he uh, works with uh, all of us, uh, uh, all of us from first responder world to veterans uh, through the Atlas Group, uh, to develop uh, a peer support group in a for- in a more formal manner, and of course because he wants it. He wanted it to be all-encompassing. He came up with the, the terminology um, uh, public service, uh, uh, public safety personnel, uh, PSPs. Uh, so we, now in our conversations, we often refer to PSPs. And, you know, we want people to understand that when we say PSP, we mean all of us who are at the front line. And that includes nurses in emergency wards and doctors in emergency wards as well. That's uh, very, uh, it's inspiring to know that, that everybody's coming together. Uh, I know that's one of my wishes out there is that uh, the silos come down on this. There's a lot of people out there doing good work. It'd be nice to get everybody doing the good work from all the organizations in the same room, understand each other better and how we can collaborate better. I, I think that's very much needed out there. Um, I love your clock, by the way. Oh, thank you. I should have stopped it before we got into the conversation, but oh, I don't. Perfect. I don't hear it. I don't hear it anymore until I'm doing something like this. And I say, "Oh my God, what's that noise?" Yeah, sorry about that. Well, that's funny. I, I just, uh, you know, uh, where we're going here, we we don't have too much time left, but I want to just kind of run through the agenda for the two days so people know what you get at one of these events. Yes. Um, and um, uh, we won't go too deep into the topics, but they are all very enlightening. Um, it, you're tired after two days. Yes. Uh, because <laughs> there's a lot of information, but it's very good information. And the networking is, is just amazing. Uh, yeah. The, the social part of it is, is so important. Um, uh, and then I want to finish uh, at the end of that. I just want to want you to think about this as we're going through this. What are your three wishes for moving forward? We we often on the Ten Five podcast uh, we ask what people's three wishes for change are, and it's amazing sometimes when people say what their wishes, uh, changes start happening from it. And uh, you know, we had one guest on here uh, not too long ago. And, And uh, as a police officer, he shared his story of uh, uh, kind of recovery and and getting some help and things like that. Hardcore police officer, long serving. And he said he got 300 texts and emails the day that the podcast dropped about him telling his story. So we're hoping we can make a difference here. Yeah. And I got to say that this event opened up with uh, the Honorable Elizabeth Dowdswell Lieutenant Governor of Ontario um, coming to address 
uh, everybody there. And the Rama Police Service Intra-Tribal Peacekeepers Drum Corps. Yes. Absolutely phenomenal uh, opening ceremony. And uh, we did uh, live broadcast that. It's on the Badge of Life Canada Facebook page if anybody's interested. But what, what were your thoughts about that opening, Sid? Well, I was very impressed with it. And, you know, it was absolutely beautiful when the uh, uh, First Nations uh, drummers identified themselves uh, with regards to the tribes that they were from, but also that they were all police officers. Yeah. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful link, you know, to uh, the worlds that we work in, you know, and who we are. Yeah. Well, there was two uh, two days, two full days. The first day was uh, uh, kind of uh, two different rooms. One one was titled "On Duty Growth." The other was called "Growth Beyond the Shift." Yes. And um, you know, on the on duty growth section, we had yourself and Brad Mackay uh, with Doctor Barbara. Can you say Barbara's last name for me there, Sid? Certainly I could. It's Dr. Barbara Anschutz. I knew I would not give that justice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you guys were talking about proactive leadership and Slay the Toxic Dragon, which is coincidentally the, the name of your book. And, you know, with Brad being a retired staff sergeant at York Regional Police, you being retired from Ottawa Police, plus, uh, you know, your extensive work on all this uh, very enlightening and then we we moved into lived experience um, with uh, Gary Ruby um, uh, former Peel Regional Police Officer now retired and uh, you know really uh, enlightening uh, giving a, an overview of his struggle and then we had Bob and Tanya Ferguson um, Bob was a firefighter and Tanya is his wife, and they uh, they talked about um, their journey and battle with, uh, with firefighters, PTSD, and then uh, now them being peer support specialists. And we had uh, Dr. Ian Shulman, a clinical psychologist. He's also the vice chair of Badger Life Canada. I believe he's out of Oakville. Um, talked about recovering from cumulative stress and trauma. And... Uh, on the growth beyond uh, part of it, we had, uh, you know, great presentation from uh, registered psychotherapist and Badge of Life Canada director Jody Walker, and uh, that was creating calm out of the chaos and growing the first responders, uh, families' resistance to trauma and anxiety. Uh, and she followed that up by a second presentation um, about supporting first responders' actions and reactions when children are on the scene. Uh, very interesting. And uh, the afternoon we had when grief and trauma intersect, navigating the pain and disenfranchised grief among first responders. And that was Dr. Christina Harrington, uh, uh, registered social worker and uh, from, from Hamilton. Um, quite new work there. Uh, she, she indicated about, uh, you know, in her practice, just about uh, just the trauma that um, any, any person in authority has when they're delivering bad news that somebody's died to a family. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't how to do death notifications. It, it was about how are you experiencing that trauma? And uh, I found it very interesting. And we, that was followed up by Wendy Lund, 
Yes. And uh, she's all about mindfulness and uh, building proactive resiliency. Uh, great. It was, it was just a, a really nice day. And it was, we ended the day with some people that, uh, a soldier and uh, uh, his, his crew of four that have put together a film called Dark Night of Our Soul, a documentary about post-traumatic growth. And you can uh, check out more there at posttraumaticgrowth.film. And they had a Q&A. That's all on the uh, Badge Life uh, Canada Facebook page, too, if you want to watch it. Quite interesting. And uh, Sid, I'm just going to turn it over to you for, for the final. Uh, uh, what did you do? The, the, the final day there was this, uh, what we've already t- discussed. You gave that presentation, and then you gave value of peer support. What were your key messages there for the value of peer support? Yeah, well, thank you for that. Uh, what we wanted people to understand is that peer support uh, may not have been recognized for many years as being as valuable as it is. And now, uh, you know, through the spectrum of peer support, the Mental Health Commission of Canada identifies uh, the friendship model of peer support, the informal peer support, as being very much a part of the of the spectrum of uh, peer support models out there. So, we we um, in our work we we clearly indicate to people that peer support should not be minimized. Uh, it needs to be uh, part and parcel of the wellness programs that organizations have because there's a lot of things that happen within organizations in dealing with traumatic events that the truth of the matter is if it wasn't for peer support, these conversations might not occur. And the academic world today is starting to recognize the value of peer support. Uh, we, uh, as a group, uh, Brad and myself and, and several others who were in the audience uh, there, have been invited by academics from the University of Newfoundland and from University of Regina to put together a peer support perspective of how to go about surviving uh, testifying after trauma. And that's a document that we're going to come out with in the fall. But it's one of those very first documents where academics are actually working with peer support workers. And so we need to, they have recognized, and we as an organization need to recognize that we need to not minimize the great value that peer support can have with people who are properly experienced and trained and in the right state of mind to be able to help others as well. If there was a second thing that I would identify with regards to come out, out of the conference is the need to have this conversation around the toxicity around the workplace. We're starting to recognize that some of the trauma that some of the people are surviving is not, they're not healing as quickly as they could uh, in spite of the best therapy and the best support from peer support, sometimes because administrative approaches to dealing with people who are struggling is a bit toxic. It's not to say that people are doing it on purpose, but if you don't know how some of the things that we do hurt people in their recovery, then we don't fix it, right? So we try to identify things that are fairly common within the workplace that need just a bit of tweaking and adjustment to allow our people to get back on their feet and back to work as soon as possible. And that's the objective for everybody. Everybody wants to get back to work. 
the thing is, is how fast can we get them back to work and how healthy can we make the environment for them to do so? I think the, uh, I, I think the, the last thing is that uh, the universities are paying attention to the work of peer support workers and the training that we're offering, and they're starting to look at certification of peer support in Canada and accreditation of organizations with their wellness programs. And I think that's a very exciting thing that's happening today, considering what we used to work with between the 1980s to 2012, which was nothing. Now they're even looking at, you know, can we look at peer support as being something that can be certified and accredited if organizations have wellness programs. And I think that's a really positive step forward. And the universities are taking uh, interest in making that happen. Well, it was uh, definitely uh, valuable information. And uh, Dr. Ian Shulman and Dr. Christina Harrington also provided uh, um, some more commentary on, uh, you know, Dr. Shulman was speaking about keeping a first responder's marriage strong. Uh, yes. Very, very interesting there. And uh, Dr. Harrington was talking about uh, bye-bye tension, hello pension, considerations yeah. for first responders at retirement, some very uh, interesting things there uh, that we can do proactively. Uh, yes. Uh, to uh, just, you know, make that transition to retirement when we finally get there a little bit easier on uh, both ourselves and as first responders and our families. Because uh, a lot of times we don't even know we're affecting our families, as, as yeah. you uh, quite admirably pointed out. So our, our final uh, speaker of the day was Craig Peddle. Uh, if you've never heard this guy speak, you need to. Um, he offered uh, an introspective view on mental wellness and uh, Craig's uh, a hardcore uh, cop, retired now and uh, working in private industry now, but uh, he shared his journey very passionately and there was uh, absolutely everybody was paying attention to this. It was quite the way to end of the two days. So, Sid, I'm glad that we got the chance to to reconnect there and uh as i stated earlier what are your three wishes moving forward uh in, in this whole realm of, um, of support for uh public safety personnel yeah well thank you for asking and i think i'll just uh, capitalize uh, what i've already talked about at length but i think i really do uh, if i were to say that i hope for three things uh moving forward is that uh uh, we give credibility and uh, and we give support to the development of peer support within our organizations with good people wanting to help people uh, so that we do that. The other thing is, is that we recognize that uh, toxicity within the workplace is not always something that's done intentionally, uh, but it does happen. And can we, can we fix that? And so let's pay attention to those things that keep people from coming back to work and staying on the job. And thirdly, an acceptance of the fact that we have to put in place the resources and the support that's required for people. And, you know, the psychological safety uh, within the workplace standards indicate that we should never put our members in harm's way. But it's the nature of our work that we put our members in harm's way. So I would 
as my third wish, I would I would wish that organizations recognize that as a result of what we ask our members to do, that they put in place all the support and resources to make sure that the members can go home safe uh, to families that are happy to have them home again. Well, it's a good way to kind of segment right into a, a conclusion here. And uh, we're always trying to share uh, our OPP associations Encompass Mental Health Wellness Program contact information for any of our members and their families. Uh, support, uh, both professional and peer, uh, is available 24-7, including crisis support at one 794 9117 or online at encompasscare.ca. That's E-N-C-O-M-P-A-S-C-A-R-E.ca. There's just one A-S. One S in Encompass Care. There's no ass. And uh, the <laughs> also, <laughs> to get people to remember it that way. And the, uh, the OPP Healthy Workplace Team can also be reached 24-7 by calling 1-844-677-9409 or by email OPP Health. I love that clock. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's just, it's like we just got, you know, told to go off the stage. Silvio, Sid. So the email again, just uh, so you got that, it's opphealth at opp.ca. And, you know, a lot of these things came out of that ombudsman's report that uh, um, Sid... Um, uh, mentioned earlier, a lot of hard work behind the scenes by a lot of people. I got to mention Rob Jamison from the OPP Association, uh, really pushing that when he was uh, president and he's now a director there. So just so many good people out there doing work. And uh, thank you to everybody who is out there uh, doing what they do. There are so many good people out there doing things. Absolutely. Any last any last words, uh, Sid? Well, actually, no. I, I I'm going to leave it at that. And thank you very much for asking me. I you know, I think we had a one <laughs> we had a wonderful conversation, and I was just amazed at how we were able to touch on so many points and and some objectives there that you know uh, I would put on my piece of paper as a list of things that I would want to share. So I think we've accomplished that very well. And thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome, Sid, and thank you for all you you do um, and continue to do into your retirement. And yeah, good. Yeah, I know you're a power lifter, weight lifter. Good luck with all that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, very inspiring. You know, you, you're uh, you're an inspiring guy. So. Well, I appreciate that. So this concludes our episode for this week. Uh, you have been listening to Silvio. Gravel, uh, also known as Sid Gravel, and uh, he's a retired Ottawa police officer, uh, even better known for his work uh, starting up uh, Badge of Life Canada with uh, a fellow officer named Peter Platt, and uh, he's told the story here today, and we're very grateful of that, and uh, you know, Emily and I, uh, Emily's not here today, but uh, on behalf of Emily and I, I'd like to say we're both very honoured hosts of this 10.5 podcast and uh, if you have any ideas for future episodes uh, feel free to email Emily and myself uh, communications at oppa.ca and uh, if you like what you hear please hit that subscribe button on the podcasting platform of your choice we 
we release on Simplecast. It goes to all the podcasting platforms at once, and uh, that you know Google, uh, Apple, uh, Spotify seem to be the big ones, but there's many other ones out there. So look for Ten Five, the official podcast of the OPP Association, and uh, we try to put out episodes bi-weekly. So thank you for listening, and stay safe.